Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, this morning, I get the privilege of wrapping up our message series, Money Matters. And the Bible has a lot to say, doesn't it? about money, um, as well as everything else in our lives. And it's all important because how we are to live, how we've been called out, set apart to live our lives in this world. And in doing so, it brings glory to his name. So as followers of Jesus, we follow his teachings that we find in the Bible. So the things we read, they're not just good stories or good morals, that's true, but What we learn, we read from God's word, is how we are to live our lives. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, God's word is his directions for how we are to live, how we're equipped to live the life that he's called and he's purposed for each and every one of us. And between the pages of the Bible, there's chapters and verses. As Pastor Mark mentioned last week, there are numbers connected to those verses And there's about a hundred verses that speak directly about forgiveness. Would you say that forgiveness is foundational to our faith? Amen, right? Uh, There are about 300 verses that make reference to the Holy Spirit and around 400 verses that talk about salvation. What about love? Well, there's around 800 verses that shed light on love. So today's message is about matters of money, money matters. There are 2,350 verses in God's word that speak about money. That's more than all those other verses combined. I'm not saying that because there's more, it's more important because we know that's not true. What I am saying is that God knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows we need wisdom when it comes to how to do this thing called life and how to handle money according to how he would have us handle it. And based on how often money is mentioned in God's word for the directions for how we should live, it's pretty safe to say that we should take notice and not just be hearers of the word, but be doers as well. In James 1.22, we know this message well. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. So this morning, are you ready to be doers? Amen. Are you ready to put into action what you're going to hear today? That's why we come. We come to be equipped here today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we do get to come. We come into your house, Lord. We come as a church family this morning. Some of us are here all the time. Some of us are visiting. We are your family And so we come today, we come to be equipped to do life, to do the work of ministry for others as well as ourselves. We give you thanks for this day. We thank you for Pastor Martin as he ministers to those in the Abide Cafe. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. And have your way, I pray today in your name. Amen. Amen. So once upon a time, all good stories start that way, there was a guy and gal. 
For the sake of keeping their names private, I'm going to call them Pastor David and Isabel. And together, they had been married at the time for 23 years. They had amassed so much debt. In fact, it was over $130,000 in debt. They didn't know what to do, how to move forward, how to breathe even, because they were drowning in this out-of-control, muddy water, massive pile of debt. It's a pretty sad story because it was our story. And statistically, I know that right here, right now in this very room, for those of you online as well, this story of debt, it's a very common story. Just change the names and the amount, and the story is quite possibly your story. So we never woke up one morning and said, hey, what a beautiful day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and let's go into debt. We didn't say that. We never had an aha moment where we, we said, you know what we don't have in life? We don't, need, we don't have any debt. I think we need to get some debt. Or there's something missing in our lives. We have each other. We have our wonderful family. We love Jesus. He loves us. I know we don't have any debt. I think if we had debt, we would feel fulfilled. We would, we would be complete with debt. Debt, you complete me. <laughs> no, debt does not happen like that. Debt accumulates over time, dollar by dollar, going deeper into a hole. And for us, after 23 years, the hole was bigger than our shovel. So I'll simply sum up that time period by stating, we, and I'll take most of the blame, I <laughs> made a lot of bad decisions, poor choices, and was indeed foolish with what the Lord had provided to us over the years. The fact was the Lord did not provide a lot of what we spent. <clears throat> it was in Visa, we trust. It was in MasterCard, I trust. I trusted this little piece of plastic more than I trusted in the Lord and his word. And for someone here, someone online possibly, what I just said was a revelation moment for you. Because we trust in the systems of this world more than we trust our Lord to provide our needs. You can say amen, or you can say ouch. It's a lot of pages of our story between then and now. There were sleepless nights because of the stress of debt, which, by the way, is a very real thing. Uh, once we decided that our way, which was really no way, um, we were done with that. We didn't have a plan. Once we decided we had done everything that we could do in our own strength, we decided to learn from God's word what it said about money. Because after all, we claimed to be followers of Jesus. And so why were we not following his word in this area of our lives? Now, as followers of Jesus, we don't get to pick and choose what parts of the Bible we will follow and which parts we will ignore because it doesn't suit our lifestyle. Right? Amen or ouch. It's in there. <sighs> and so we learned, and we learned biblical principles on how to handle money. From uh, Dave Ramsey, if you know him, uh, he teaches Financial Peace University. We did that, and we learned. And in a nutshell, the material that his parents used regarding money if you don't got it, don't spend it. 
Pretty simple, straightforward stuff. We took in this knowledge and we learned how to use tools like a zero-based budget, uh, a debt snowball. We applied the truths that we found in God's word to our finances. We worked seven jobs between the two of us and with a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline, some heated discussions, a lot of love for one another. We remained married and paid off all of our debt within 18 months. Amen? Glory be to God. It was in the summer of 2018, we became completely debt-free. Our consumer debt was gone, and when, when we sold our house in the fall of 2018 to come here, we became completely, completely debt-free. No consumer debt, no mortgage debt. Thank you, Lord. Now, it was God's word that captivated us to do something about the debt that we had had. It was this verse, and possibly this morning, as your ears are ready to hear and receive God's wisdom through his word, that you too will have an aha moment, a revelation that you have had enough of being held captive by your debt. Because if you owe it, you own it. Let that sink in. It's yours to repay to your lenders. Here's the verse. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave, slave to the lender. You are no longer in control of your decisions when you have debt. The reality is this. Debt owns you, and you're working for debt. When you are a slave to debt, you are not able to give like you desire that you could. In the flesh, our carnal selves, we are a greedy people. We really are. But as followers of Jesus, as we live our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit in us, we are compelled because of who he is in us to be a generous people. It's not because of how much you make or how little you make. It's not because of where you live or what you wear. It's not because of you eat filet mignon or craft dinner. Being generous is a heart condition of being a follower of Jesus Christ. The fact is, many in Canada are not generous. They like to think they are. They will tell you they are because they possibly give something. But there is a distinct difference between giving and being generous. To be generous is to orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. You don't need to be rich to be generous. And possibly you've said to yourself at some point in your life, I would give more if I had more. You've said it too. <laughs> And while we would like to consider that to be truth, if it happens, statistically, it doesn't happen. The fact is when we get more, we do not increase our giving. And sadly, sadly, the opposite happens. We give less because we are a greedy people. Let me put things into perspective for us today, and we live in what was recently, once again, voted one of the best countries in the world to live, placing second, second, only after 
Switzerland, Manu. <laughs> She's like, go Switzerland. <laughs> and indeed, here in Niagara Falls, uh, we live in the city that is the second most desired destination in the world to visit. So I would have to say that we live in a very desirable location on planet Earth. Amen? We're blessed. We are blessed to live right here. In addition, do you know that you are rich? Most of us may not think we are rich because we tend to compare ourselves to those that have more. But let's take for a moment and actually consider our global population. If you came to church this morning and you drove, you were in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. In terms of the world's population, we here in Canada are among the top wealthiest people in the world. If you have a place to live with electricity, heat, running water, if you have food to eat every day, you are living extravagantly in comparison to the rest of the world. And at the opposite end of the spectrum is a country called Burundi. The average annual, annual income in Burundi is $220 for the entire year. Think about that for the moment because facts can put things into perspective for us. According to the Generosity Index established by the Fraser Institute, Americans give only 1.97% of their income to charities. And that includes churches. But we are Canadian, eh? And so, what percentage of our income do you think we as Canadians give to charities and churches? Answers. Throw them up. 25%. 0.5%. 2.0-something. 3 if I had a prize, you would win it. Next slide. 0.54%, 0.5, not even 1%, half of 1%. When you are a slave to the lender, I can tell you, speaking from experience, you give differently. It's a mindset that's called the scarcity cycle. There's not enough. I wish I could give more, but I can't afford to. We never can get ahead. We're hours behind. There's always more month left than money. The scarcity cycle is in opposition to the supply cycle. And a scarcity mindset looks something like this. God provides. The first thing we do is consume. It's ours. We have it and we feel like it's all for me. And at the end of the month, there's not enough money left over. And so we now operate in what's called lack. We are attempting to function in a deficit. And unfortunately, we feel it's okay to borrow money from, well, any source that will provide it to us so we can maintain this lifestyle of overspending. And that cycle repeats and it repeats and it repeats and it becomes a very deep, deep mess. The scarcity cycle starts in the mind and not in the wallet. Solomon, who was the wisest man to have ever lived, wrote, in Proverbs 23, his heart, so is he. How many of you know that we're emotional people? Some more than others. <laughs> Amen or ouch. <laughs> we are. And, and what do you think we feel when we're at the end of the week or the month and we have no money left? What do you think we feel? Shout it out. Scared? Stressed? Discouraged. What was the other one? Despondent. I'm going to take all those, mash them up, 
And I think I could put the title, it would be fear for all of those. Fear, we fear. And I could tell you this, fear and faith are enemies and they do not work together. When you operate out of fear, you are not making wise decisions. And what ends up happening is you consume more and that cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. And practically speaking, this is what's known as paycheck to paycheck living. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Right now in Canada, 54% of households are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% say they could not handle an emergency of $200 or more. I didn't make those numbers up from reliable sources. It's me. I'm a part of those statistics. Let me share with you this. After doing the money plan for years, we know you're not alone. We've met many, many And I know the enemy has most likely whispered in your ear that you have failed with money because it happened to me and you should be ashamed and that you're on your own. And that's so much a lie. Don't believe the enemy, the lies of the enemy. Isabel and I, we've been called and equipped to let you know that you're not alone. We're in the same boat and it's a very big boat, let me tell you. And there's so many others that need some encouragement, that need some education, some practical tools. And there is hope no matter the stage you are at with your personal finances. And that hope is found in God's holy word to us. So right now, we have Canadians registered for our six-week course. It's in person and online. So we've got people registered all the way to British Columbia, all the way to the Maritimes and everywhere in between. And uh, this morning, I'm preaching. Tuesday, we begin teaching. So come on out to the money plan. If you've not yet signed up, it begins Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. And you're going to learn how to get on a plan, how to get out of debt and plan for your future. And if you're already out of debt, you can still come and learn something and be an encouragement to those that are there. Bring a friend. It's free. So... Um, And we've done that on purpose. We want to help as many people as we possibly can. So I'd highly encourage you to do that. You can sign up at the Connection Center. You can sign up at themoneyplan.ca. So now back to our regular program already in session. So as Jesus followers, our mindset is one of supply cycle. This is what we do. We give generously because of what God did for us. He gave his son Jesus so that we may live. Someone help me out. Possibly the most quoted, most memorized scripture in the Bible is? I knew I could count on you, Wendy. (laughs) Let's read it together. Let's put it up on the screen, and let's read this verse together today. For God so loved the world. Amen. God gave. We give. How do we give? Paul encouraged us in uh, his letter to the Corinthian church. We read in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, let each one thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. Did you hear the words, what are we to do? 
We're to decide in our heart how much to give. We are not to give reluctantly or feel pressured into giving. So in other words, if you feel manipulated or if you feel pressured, don't give. You heard me. I said, don't give. If you feel pressure to give and you're getting that feeling, you know, that begrudging feeling, and Paul tells us, he says, don't give, don't do it. Why? God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? As Pastor Mark's been sharing, it's about our heart condition when it comes to giving. Do you think the verse on the offering box, there by accident? That's intentional. Give joyfully. We give hilariously. Amen? Last week, Pastor Mark shared about the tithes. Amen? (laughs) Hey, we get to give. Now, if you're new to being a follower of Jesus, uh, the term tithe might be foreign to you. And if you've been a Christian most of your life, there's a possibility that you've only heard a handful of messages on the tithe, what it's about. So since we're talking about money matters and the matters of money, I'm going to add to what we heard last week regarding the tithe. So the scarcity cycle is we consume, we lack, we fear. We consume, we lack, we fear. And so here's God's supply cycle, and it's this. God provides, and contrary to the scarcity cycle, what is the first thing we do? Give. As Jesus followers, we give. And more specifically, we return 10%. A tithe. That's what it means. Back to God as an act of worship. Is half a percent the tithe? No. Is 5% the tithe? Is 20% the tithe? Well, it is. It's got an offering in there too, but (laughs) trick question. 10%, 10%, That's the tithe. Above that is your offering. Now, if you give nothing or little, or if you give all that you have, it does not change what the tithe is. God does not love you any less or any more depending on what you give. As followers of Jesus, we are to love one another. We're to forgive one another. We are to take care of one another, including the widows and orphans. And within the pages of the Bible, there's the directions for how we are to live. And we are to give with a cheerful heart to the Lord, his tithe. We read in Deuteronomy 14.23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. There it is. It's not about the number. It's about your heart towards God. And when we give to God, what happens? What does God do? Well, he takes what we give and he multiplies our tithes and our offerings. And and stay with me on this. What happens when we see God working in our lives? What happens when we receive blessings that only we know he could bring to us? What happens to that fear we used to encounter in the scarcity cycle? I could tell you, fear and faith cannot cohabitate. One of them has to pack their bags and move out. And faith is taking up residence when you're in the supply cycle because you decided to be a doer of the word. And the supply cycle repeats. God provides, we worship God with the first, with our tithe. God multiplies it and our faith grows. God provides, we worship God first with the tithe. God multiplies it and our faith grows. You getting this? You getting this? This is is God's cycle. Now you may be thinking, I get it. Do you not know how things are right now? 
Do you not know that my grocery bill has gone up? Anybody's grocery bill gone down lately? Do you not know how much it takes to put gas in my truck? My mortgage payments have shot through the roof. Things are tight, very, very tight. And what I hear you saying, Pastor Dave, is you expect me to give, to return 10% back to God. Is that what I'm hearing you say, telling me? I am not saying that to you at all. See, jobs as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of ministry, and that includes ministering to yourself by bringing God's word to you. And what I am saying, what I am sharing this morning is found in God's word. So it's God speaking to your heart today through his living word to us. He tells us throughout the word, he desires to be first in every aspect of our lives. And that includes giving, and that includes the tithe. Need to rearrange your lifestyle possibly? Yep, you betcha. Tell me something. How much faith does it take to give God your leftovers? Ouch. And that is if, if there is anything left over. It takes no faith. We can do that in our own strength. It takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. And as we tithe, we see God at work in our lives and it builds our faith. And again, we read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. I can tell you from our personal experience that 90% with God's blessings goes much, much further than 100% without. So don't just hear the words of God telling you to test him. Be doers. Put it into action what you have heard and be ready. Be ready for what God's going to do. He will open the floodgates of heaven and pour uncontainable blessings into your life. Amen? I don't know if you want that. I want that. Amen? As followers of Jesus, we are called to be different, to live different, to give different. And we give with the heart of being generous because we truly do believe what Paul tells us in, in Acts 20, what, uh, 30, verse 35, Acts 20, 35, uh, what Paul tells us what Jesus said. He said this, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering, remembering the words of Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When we give, there is more happiness and joy to be found in the action of giving because our God is a giving God, a generous God. And we truly can delight in the gift of giving more than the reaction of receiving. Now, we're not told that receiving is bad or negative, of course not, because the receiver is also being blessed, right? But when we give, we are more blessed. I know some Christians that need to learn how to receive because they're very generous. They give, give, give through their selfless giving. But they need to learn also so that others have the opportunity that they do to be able to give that they would at times also receive. So being generous, it goes beyond the tithe. So how else can we give? Well, as Jesus followers, we give prayerfully and we give strategically. If you have ever said, I wish I could give more, if that's you, I can tell you that your heart is already aligned with desiring to be more like Jesus because that's God's nature is to give. 
Here's how you can give more. Pretty simple math. You can give more if you plan to give more. It's that simple. We decide to honor God and return his tithe. That's planning. We take it to prayer and we ask God how he would have us give, and then we plan to be strategic in our giving. Have you ever or even now donated funds to sponsor a child possibly? Uh, We've had Compassion Canada here. That's strategic giving. You know, for me, when they were here, selecting a child to sponsor from a table of so many children in need was a very hard thing to do. And I recall asking the Holy Spirit, like, how do I select just one? And I remember hearing that still small voice, would you like to be able to visit this child? Because I've heard stories about people visiting their children. I'm like, yes, I said. So I was led to select Berenice from El Salvador. That's prayerful, that's strategic. We read in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. That's good preaching (laughs) right there. Uh, Tell me what you heard. What do generous people plan to do? Right, there's hints up there for you. (laughs) How do they do it? They stand firm in being generous. That sounds like a plan. Generous people plan to be generous, and it's strategic. It's prayerful response to the generosity of God, and we do it as an act of worship to him. And being generous is not something that we do as followers of Christ. Generous is who we are. Amen? Secondly, you get to give spontaneously. This is always fun. And and there may be someone that you encounter, possibly that you know them or you don't know them. They could be a complete stranger. And you you hear about a need in their life and, and you say to yourself, self, I can meet the need because God has given me more than I need. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. I'm honored to bring glory to you because of the abundance that you've poured into my life. Now, many people give this way. Uh, When the needs arise, people give spontaneously. Good example of this in the scriptures is a story of the Good Samaritan we find in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37. So to summarize these verses, Jesus tells the parable of a man who was brutally attacked, left for dead on a road, and both a priest and a Levite the people that claim to follow God, right? Uh, they pass by without helping. But a Samaritan who was a traditional enemy of the Jews is moved with compassion to help immediately. And he tends to the wounded man, providing him with care and also financial assistance, which demonstrates the power of spontaneous and selfless giving of being generous. Can you do that when you're buried in debt? No. That's why we teach what we teach. The third way I'm talking about today is we get to give sacrificially. We give strategically, we give spontaneously, and we give sacrificially. One of the most referenced stories regarding sacrificial giving would be found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. So I'm going to get you open up to that. So Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And while you're doing that, I'm going to give you a little bit of context to what was happening at this time. So in verse 40, Jesus spoke about the scribes who devour the widows' houses. Jesus called out these religious leaders because instead of helping the widows in, that needed help, they were okay in robbing them of their livelihood. And so there's actually 29 verses in the Old Testament 
that deal specifically with how to handle and take care of widows. And one such instance is that God commanded the Israelites not to harvest the very edges of the field, right? And so that that would leave something for the immigrants, the sojourners, the widows, uh, that they'd be able to go and collect and provide for their families and still have some dignity. So the religious leaders in Mark 12 um, should have been taking care of the widows, but instead they took the widows' means away from them that they could provide for themselves. So taking all they had because they convinced them that they would be blessed by God if they made contributions to the temple, no matter if it meant not taking care of themselves. Now in verses 41 to 44, guides his disciples to an area where they can observe individuals making their offerings at the temple. And in the court of women, uh, there were 13 receptacles made available so that the women could also place their offerings. These receptacles were referred to as a a shofarat or chauffeur chest, for they had a broad trumpet-like funnel on the top, which resembled the shofar. Uh, This is where people would place their coins, which then found into the collection box at the base. So you can imagine that an offering could be quite noisy. Once these coins were dropped into the box, if you wanted people to know that you had a lot to give, you would drop your coins in, sort of like this. And make a show of it. Reading from Mark chapter 12, verse 41, starting there. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Let's stop there for a moment. I find that strange. I don't know if you find that strange, but I do. How would you react if Pastor Mark and I were sitting there watching you put your offering in? A little awkward, right? (laughs) Why did Jesus do that? And I think that he was watching to see what was in people's hearts as they gave. Jesus says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites, dropping in coins. Look at me. (laughs) Dropping them into the mouth of the shafrat, opening. It's much like a trumpet. And Jesus knew that the language, the people they were speaking, and they understood what he was saying. We read on, many many rich people threw in large amounts, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to a mite. That word there, poor in Greek, in this instance means much more than someone without money. It translates as a, a beggar, a destitute of wealth, having no influence, no position, and no honor. See what this sounds like. Nothing. Did you hear it? An insignificant amount from someone that was considered insignificant. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. I often wondered what a a mite looked like, and I've seen pictures like this one on the screen, but never up and close and personal. So I actually purchased 
a widow's mite. It's graded. This is over 2,000 years old. Its actual value, I paid more than this for it, but its actual value is one-eighth of a cent in today's economy. It's insignificant in size, it's insignificant in value, and it's insignificant in appearance. There's nothing fancy about it. But Jesus didn't consider any of those attributes because he was there observing people's hearts. We read on, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I know I've thought this many times. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't stop her? If, if that were me, I would step in and tell her, keep it. You need it more than the church. These rich folks over here, they've got things covered. You need this to put food on the table. Worship team, if I could have you come forward. You see... Jesus did not rob her from the blessing of giving. And in fact, he celebrated her sacrificial giving. And 2,000 years later, we read, we learn, and we have this example to follow this widow's sacrificial giving of her generosity. The widow gave more than anybody else. That's what we do as followers of Jesus. Amen? Do you think that that was the end of the story for her? Just because we don't read about her from this point forward does not mean she went home to die of starvation. We find a, a similar story in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7 to 16, when the widow of Zarephath gave away her last meal to Elijah. Now, if you don't know the story, look it up, give it a read. It's a good one, okay? But if you do know the story, tell me something. Was the widow looked after? Did God step in and provide her needs? Did God provide an abundance? Yeah? Did not God not open the floodgates of heaven to bless her? Absolutely. So just as God provided for the widow and her son in Elijah's day, we can have assurance that God also provided for the widow in Jesus' day, and God will provide for you too. Amen? So my desire is that what you have heard today will simply be more than words. We, we have this wonderful opportunity that we can come together, that we worship, we lift our voices together in song, we come together to be equipped to do the work of ministry through the reading of God's word. We come together in corporate prayer to give thanks to God and lift our voices in prayer together to him as a church family. And we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus, of the one true and living God, we have this opportunity to return to him a tithe of what he blesses us with. And because he provides, we worship him first, multiplies it, and our faith grows. Amen? And as we live this way, we can set that cycle on repeat. And our faith will continue to grow and grow and greatly grow. And as we give strategically, as we give spontaneously, and as we have heard from God's word this morning about the widow's giving, that we too would be ready as the Holy Spirit would lead us to give sacrificially. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you this morning that we indeed have this opportunity to come and to worship you. Lord, we worship you with our whole being. And Lord, this morning we've heard from your word as far as how you would desire us to give. 
And so I pray that this would take root in our hearts this morning and that your word would be a revelation to someone listening today in, in here, Lord, and online. I, I thank you, Lord, that you are at work in your people's lives and you do that through your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would bring wisdom, bring conviction, and there would be a new, a new day around the corner for those that are struggling with hopelessness and despair. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom, that you would guide them to those that would be able to help and equip them. And so, Lord, as we do worship you today, let us continue to worship you now as we close. But as we move forward in this week, Lord, I pray that you would provide opportunities for us to be a blessing, that we would find opportunities where we can, we can be strategic in our giving, that we would be able to be spontaneous in our giving, and that we would be sacrificial in our giving. And, and for any that are in debt and say, I just can't afford to, I would pray, Lord, that they would uh, seek out help and, and be part of this money plan course, that we would be able to help them, help them get to the place where they say, thank you, Lord, out of the abundance you've given me, I also give. We thank you, Jesus. Have your way. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.